Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I'm so glad to see you here. We have a little bit different setups. You might not have found your normal chairs, but we're excited because we get to spend time together fellowshipping after church today. So we're excited about that. So we are going to go ahead and get started with worship this morning. Would you stand with me? And let's just welcome the Holy Spirit in and just ask him to be with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, and I pray that you will be among your people we love you, Lord, and we give you all praise. And God's people said, amen. Let's praise him this morning. This is a new song we're introducing to you guys this morning. I think you'll really enjoy it. I've got joy in the struggle. I've got peace in the storm. I've got strength in the battle, I don't fear anymore. I'm a child of heaven, and my hope is secure. I've got joy, cause I've got Jesus. He gave me beauty for ashes, turned my life around. Broke my chains, and now I stand on
going to pray with us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the crisp, cool weather just to be able to enjoy and set our minds in the right place to worship you. Lord, let us clear our minds. Let us focus on you. Let us draw our attention the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords this morning. I pray that we we bend our hearts towards you. We turn our minds towards you. And may everything we do and say this morning and thereafter be pleasing to you. Join in our worship today, Lord, we pray. Bring your Holy Spirit down. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Greet. We are going to greet right now. Please turn and greet one another. Thank you. Okay, good to be together on a beautiful October 9th, amen? Get those last handshakes and hugs in, and then you can have a seat. You have a fall yellow Sunday morning handout, bulletin, NAS news, whatever you want to call it, and in that yellow handout you have a white connection card if you'd pull that out. If you're a first-time guest with us today, we'd love to have your name and some contact information. On the flip side is an opportunity for you to share prayer requests with us. We pray over every request that comes in or anything else you want to communicate with us, you can put right on that connection card. And while you're looking at that, I need to make a phone call, actually. Seven five seven five. 
Nile. Let's see here. Also, great to have our kids in service with us. I just got a busy signal. Okay. Let me try that again. Seven, seven, one, nine, seven, eight, nine. Oh, I see what I did wrong. Seven, five, seven, five. Let's try it again. Great to have our kids with us, and this is the first Sunday they'll be with us for the first part of the service, and then they'll go back to a great program here in a few minutes. Why am I looking in into my microphone right now? Oh, yes. I'm all confused. Hello? It's going to be a long morning. I'm putting the mic. The Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. No one is available to take your call right now. Our normal office hours are Tuesday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Please leave a message after the tone and we'll return your call as soon as possible. Thank you. Yes, this is Pastor Ben. I'm in great need of a call back. Please call now. Thank you. Okay, we'll see if I get a call back on Tuesday. Great to have a working phone number and working phone and a great office administrator. We'll have more to say about that later. Hey, in those uh, yellow handouts, uh, you see some details on a Golden Bell service project coming up this Saturday. Could you take a look at that? And if you could be one of, I don't know, 10 or 12 people that would go up there and work a few hours next Saturday, get in touch with me this week. And lots of other things in that uh, bulletin this morning you can take a look at and... uh, Stay current on things that are happening around here. Okay, enough with me. Barbara Fritz and Scott Meyer are coming up, and they've got uh, some special stuff to take care of here this morning. Let's give it up for Scott and Barbara. Good morning. Um, As you see, the place looks a little different today because it's a special day. We're celebrating Uh, Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Uh, This year we're celebrating our pastors and our staff, and we know how much they've done for us around here. So it's our special privilege to honor them this morning and invite you to stay for a potluck when we're all done. So this morning we'd like to first see um, Pastors Ben and Kelly and Pastor Scott and his wife Rachel. If you'd come up here to the stage, we'd appreciate that. We have some gifts for you guys. Um, If Leisha and Allison would come on up. So um, uh, Paula and Mike Harper were so gracious to send these flowers to allow us to bless them with some gifts. So we have a bouquet of flowers for each of you guys. And this is honored to say thank you for all that you've done. Ben and Kelly, we just want to say thank you for the time you're spending with us, getting things on track, the enthusiasm and joy and all the hard work you're putting behind the scenes um, that's just brought so much refreshed life to everything here. So we want to say thank you very much for that. And Scott and Rachel, uh, thank you very much for what you do. Scott is our youth group leader. He also once in a while finds himself back in that drum aquarium that we have back there. But also you'll see him in the sound booth, and he, he is doing a lot for us in terms of audio, visual, and, and our tech guy. 
uh, in as much as we need one, right? Just finally got a phone number. <laughs> so thank you very much for what you do. you guys would stay here with us we're going to be joined um if Lori and tracy and robin would join us up on the stage here please these are our wonderful additional staff members Lori, our worship leader we have robin our office administrator and where's tracy here she comes our children's ministry leader these guys are the ones that keep most of this boat floating here so we have flowers for these ladies also. Lori, we want to say thank you for all the work you do each week, getting us, getting prepared to bring us into worship and in the Lord's presence and getting our morning started so beautifully. So thank you. We're going to go ahead and let the ladies hand all the flowers so that the traffic gets better here. I think Tracy was one of the very first votes that we made as a new board when we came on board uh, uh, in May of this past year. Uh, we, we wanted to welcome her. Thank you very much for all you do. Tracy takes care of the children's program. I think that some of you saw what we did um, at the, at, at our, what, what do we call that, VBS, Vacation Bible, Bible School. It was just, it was tremendous what happened there, and she continues that work. It's so important to us that we have a vibrant children's ministry and youth ministry. So Tracy rounds out the job that, that Scott and Rachel are doing, and we thank you very much for all you do. And last but definitely not least is Robin, our newest addition in the office. And as anyone knows, um, the, she's the glue that kind of keeps everyone together. Everything goes through the office one way or another. And we're just so grateful to her navigating all the new technology and adjustments that have been coming along this year. Um, so with this group here, they're doing just more than you can even imagine. I know there's things we see um, in, on the surface, but there's so much behind the scenes that they're doing, the hours that they each put in uh, that none of us see. So for that, all of us here say thank you to you guys. So before you leave the stage, we wanted to let you know you also have another bouquet of flowers that are in water over here. So at the end of the day, if you'd be sure to grab those, if you want to keep your um, vases with you, you can, or you can leave them on the table. And um, after the potluck, we have a gift table in the back where there are a lot of cards and gifts that have been dropped off for each of you. So please don't leave until we get a chance to distribute those to you guys. So thank you so much, and we'll enjoy the potluck. Larry, Larry King is going to come and pray over these guys. And I'd just like to add a quick thanks to Lori and Scott especially for hanging in there during challenging days and for Robin and Tracy willing to come on when things perhaps still seemed a little uncertain. And uh, we're all grateful for good days here at Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. And I've asked Larry to uh, pray over these guys uh, before we move on. Just so you know, I've done my best to get Kelly 
and Ben to hang out here a little longer. I promised to change my behavior <laughs> if she would stay. And she said, if, uh, if them staying was dependent upon my behavior, um, they better start packing. <laughs> I am so grateful, y'all, y'all. I am so grateful that God has assembled this crew for this season of our church. And we were in desperate need of y'all. And we're blessed because of that. Could I get you to extend your hands this direction? We're going to speak a blessing over our pastors and staff. I, I just think we, we have no idea, probably, what we have here. I just, I love you all. You've all been such a blessing to us. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I come and just thank you. Lord, we come as a congregation thanking you for these treasures that you've placed in our body to minister to care for our children, to work the magic of getting a phone, to leading you us into your presence, to sharing your word, and for, for Scott and his diligence to, with our youth, Lord. We give you honor and praise, Father. We ask your blessings on their lives, on all their loved ones, on their health, on their finances, that you just pile up good blessings on them, Father. We rejoice and count it an honor, Lord, that you saw fit to give them to us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to invite everyone to stay for the potluck after the service. Whether you came prepared or not, you're invited to stay. And if you didn't get a chance to bring a gift or a card, that's okay. We hope you'll grab one of these guys and give them a hug and just say thank you for everything that they've done. So thank you. Okay, you guys can go put those flowers down and take a seat. And thanks in advance to Barbara and her team for the good meal we're going to enjoy, and for these gifts and everything you've done for us. Thank you so much. I want you to welcome our guest speaker and my friend, Dr. Floyd Cunningham. I'm going to ask him to stand. I'm going to say a bit more about him in a moment. Our kids are ready to go. So Sharon Weesey is back there waving a flag. If our kids could make their way back to that waving flag, you're going to march out of this worship space down the hall to your own time together. Love you, kiddos. Appreciate Tracy and Sharon and all those that work with our kids. Floyd comes most recently from Nampa, Idaho, where he is kind of home-basing with his sister while he's on tour. Uh, but he's been in Manila, the Philippines, for a certain amount of years, which I'm going to tell you about after I read a scripture, but it's really good to have Floyd here uh, with us this morning and look forward to his message. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles, uh, Romans chapter 10 is our scripture reading today. 
And I chose this especially because this is a uh, global mission-focused Sunday morning and because of Floyd's uh, being here with us, and I'll tell you why here in a moment. Romans chapter 10, Paul's letter to the church in Rome, the context in this 10th chapter is uh, an expression of his desire that his fellow uh, Jews would come to a saving faith in Christ, and he's unpacking this whole matter of uh, a righteousness that is now by faith. And you get down to the 8th verse, and this is what he says, the word, the word of faith is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the Scripture says, everyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Floyd, I thought about you uh, as I read this passage this week. Several years before Kelly and I got to Gaithersburg, Maryland, Floyd took off for Manila, the Philippines. He'll retire at the end of next year after 40 years, halfway across the world, serving in Jesus' name. Professor, academic dean, president of Asia-Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary, uh, parts of a church plant, pastoring, ministry to kids on the street surrounding that campus. Uh, Floyd, you have had a tremendous lifelong ministry halfway across the world from all the comforts and privileges and freedoms of these United States, uh, halfway around the world, uh, separated by thousands of miles from his family, but he's been faithful there. And uh, Floyd, I wanted to say publicly here today, and who would have ever guessed that Kelly and I and Floyd would meet in Colorado, of all things. We're grateful for your ministry and your faithfulness uh, through those years, and God bless you in the years to come. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to receive the morning tithes and offerings. Our ushers are going to come and uh, wait on us uh, as we give those offerings to the Lord in gratitude for what he's done for us. Just a heads up that after uh, the message this morning, we're going to pass the plates again, and as many as feel led and are able, we're going to take up a love offering for Floyd to support his uh, uh, ministry through the years and, and maybe prepare him in a small way for retirement that's just around the corner. God bless you guys as you give. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, we hope this service is an encouragement to you.
God is good. All the time? Oh, God is good. Shine. 
together. Father, we thank you so very, very much for this opportunity to come together and to worship you. Father, we just thank you so much for each and every one that is here today. Father, you know us. You created us. You help us each and every day to stay close to you, not to wander from your love. And how I pray for each and every one that's here, Lord. I pray, Father, that you will keep us on the path of righteousness, Lord. Help us, Father, to draw closer to you each and every day. Father, as we go through challenges, uh, challenges, help us to remember that you are right there going through those challenges with us. And I thank you, Father. Lord, I just want to especially just thank you for Christian parents today, Lord. I thank you so much for those that are raising their children and their teenagers to know you. 
I thank you, Lord, that on Sunday morning, instead of sleeping in or, or doing something outside or whatever they might do, Lord, they get their kids ready and they come to church. And I just thank you so much. And may their numbers increase, Father. Help us to see the importance, Lord, of gathering together as your church and worshiping you each and every week. Lord, I just thank you so much for the beauty that surrounds us. I thank you for the beauty right here of those on our right and those on our left. Thank you for your church family and for the encouragement that we get from one another. What a privilege it is to pray for each other. And I want to lift anyone here up who's struggling. Anyone here, Father, who's just hanging on and just not even sure that they, they can make it, that they believe anymore. Father, I lift them up to you, and I just pray, Father, that you will be at work in their situation. Draw them up close, Father. Help anyone, Lord, who is grieving. Help those who are sick. Help those who are struggling, Lord. We call upon you, Father, and we thank you, Jesus, that you meet each and every one of us at our point of need. And, Father, I just want to especially lift up churches around the world, Lord, and we're just so thankful that uh, Floyd is here to just shed some light upon what is going on there in, in Manila. And Father, I just pray for your anointing to be upon him as he shares with us today. Father, I want to lift up those who have been affected by the hurricanes and just pray, Lord, that you will be at work there. And Father, I just pray that as we open up your word and as we um, are here together today, I just pray, Lord, that you will lead us even closer into a relationship with you, Father. If there's anything that's hindering our relationship with you, Father, we pray that you bring it to our attention, that we will confess that to you, that we will turn away from it and turn toward you. Lord, you are a good and gracious God, and we worship you today. Father, thank you. Thank you so very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. So great to be with you and to be with Ben and Kelly in uh, this beautiful, beautiful place and to share with you what God has been doing in my life, the life that I've given to God and the place that he's placed me at Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary in Tai Tai Rizal, the Philippines, and where I have been serving as professor of church history and doing other things these many years, but mostly I've been a missionary of the Church of the Nazarene. And that has been a tremendous privilege to represent you as a Church of the Nazarene and churches of the Nazarene around the world as a missionary there. The Church of the Nazarene is involved in a movement of God through the people of God around the world. And our, our mission throughout the world, wherever the Church of the Nazarene might be, is to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. And we're all a part of that. The Church of the Nazarene is in 164 world areas. We have uh, over 2.6 million members in all of those places. When I joined the Church of the Nazarene many years ago, I think we had 600,000 members around the world, so you can imagine how much the Church of the Nazarene has grown and continues to grow around the world. There are more than 30,000 churches of the Nazarene. The Asia-Pacific region, where I have been working these many years, 
has 28 world areas, including some of those that are creative access areas where we can't really talk about the number of churches and the number of members and what we're doing exactly in those countries because the government would not want us to do that. 140,000 members that we can report in that part of the world and 2,100 churches. And the place in the Asia Pacific region where we have more members than any other country is Papua New Guinea. You wouldn't expect that, would you? More Nazarenes in Papua New Guinea than any other part of that world. As a Nazarene missionary, my calling is, and this is a good reminder for me even this morning, my calling as a Nazarene missionary is to, make, is to be a Christ-like disciple myself, set apart by the Holy Spirit, prayerfully sent out by the church, that's you, affirmed by Nazarene missions to cross-cultural barriers for the purpose of spreading scriptural holiness. That is a good reminder to me of why I am a missionary and what the church expects me and wants me to do and what I have been involved in in my ministry across these years, to cross cultural barriers. And at Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary, actually we've had many different countries come, and I've been able to go to many different countries to uh, teach and to preach, and cross cultural barriers that I never expected I would be crossing when I was growing up as a child and as a young person in the Church of the Nazarene, but that is where God called me for the purpose of spreading scriptural holiness around the world. How do we do that? Well, the Church of the Nazarene does that by extending the mission, the mission of Christ in the world. There are more than one places in scripture, but Matthew 9, 35 is one of them, where it talks about Jesus' mission and ministry in the world. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So it is today that the Church of the Nazarene in this country and every country is engaged in all three of these purposes that Christ came to demonstrate, and this is also the mission of the Church of the Nazarene around the world. Some of the missionaries are involved more in teaching, such as myself. Some of the missionaries are involved more in proclaiming the good news or preaching, and some missionaries are more engaged in the healing ministries, whether that is, whether that is uh, working as a doctor or nurse in a hospital or in compassionate ministries, healing the souls as well as the bodies. So these three, compassion and evangelism and education has been the mission and purpose of the Church of the Nazarene around the world. And we send missionaries, some to be involved in compassionate work, some to be involved in evangelism, and some to be involved as I have been in education. Education, like the school where I've been these 39 years, Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary, has been there to build sustainability in the churches of the Nazarene in that part of the world, and largely we have. When I went to the Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary those years ago, most of the Bible colleges in our region were taught by missionaries. The teachers, the leaders of those schools were missionaries. And uh, today, most of the leaders and teachers of the schools in that part of the region are my former students. So it has built uh, sustainability in that part of the world. And so education has been a main part of the mission of the Church of the Nazarene 
here in the States and around the world. Uh, one of our former leaders, an educational leader of our church, who was a global leader, he, was, he said that whenever he met people from other denominations, that they were so complimentary of the way that the Church of the Nazarene has a system of education that extends around the world. So the school where I've been teaching is one of 51 schools that are there. And the theme of our particular school ever since the school began is bridging cultures for Christ. And so we have in this particular place a wonderful campus of 11 and a half acres. Doesn't sound like much maybe to you, but we're in the heart of a city of 365,000 people. And that is just on the edge of Metro Manila, which is a city of 13 million people. So I know that when you think of where missionaries are located these days, you'd be thinking that they're not out often in remote parts of the world so much as they might be involved in urban ministries like we have been. Bridging cultures for Christ. This uh, beautiful campus has mango trees and we have avocados and we have papaya growing wild and other fruits, bananas and pineapple and star apples. And there is this one bridge that crosses one creek that is right in the middle of that campus and that has been significant to us. This uh, bridge signifies that there is but one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. This is a verse that you probably memorized when you were in Sunday school. At Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary, we have students who come from Bangladesh and Pakistan and Indonesia, which are Muslim countries, students who come from India, which is a Hindu country, students who come from uh, Cambodia and Laos and Myanmar and Vietnam and Korea, which are Buddhist countries, students who come from Japan, which is a Shinto country, students who come from China, students who come from the South Sea Islands, students who come from the United States, and uh, some of them even from Africa and from Europe. And what could possibly draw students from around the world to one place? What possibly could unite them all together? It is this affirmation, this uh, incredible affirmation that we make that there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. And that is as true as it was when Paul wrote that. So at APNTS, we prepare ministers, some who are pastors, some who are teachers, some who become missionaries. More than 600 graduates of APNTS, about half of them are pastors, either in their own country or somewhere else. About a fourth of them are teachers, and that is from preschool to graduate school. And about 15% are missionaries themselves, missionaries themselves. And that is also as it should be, that it is not only North Americans who receive a call to be a missionary, but if the church is going to be the church, it is going to be young people in this church that are called to missions and young people who are called to missions in any church around the world if they are called to a cross-cultural ministry. And missionaries these days in the Church of the Nazarene don't look so much like me as they look like my students. So APNTS is a place to come to prepare to be a missionary. Uh, Terrence, I've known him since he was a, a freshman in college 
And after he finished college, he decided to come to study for further preparation for ministry at HNCS. He studied Christian communication and was looking for his lifetime partner. This is like most Nazarene institutions, most Nazarene educational uh, places around the world. It's a place to find your lifetime partner. And I'm not sure which was his first priority. So there came to, to um, APNCS this beautiful young woman. And Terrence was so sure that she was the right woman for him. He posted it on Facebook and social media. God had really intended her for him. And they broke up. And then there was this other woman who came into APNCS, became a student. She had a car. And uh, Terrence became so sure, so positive. This was God's purpose for him, this woman. And posted on social media and Facebook, and they broke up. Then came along Ingrid. Ingrid is from Florida. Her mother is from Guatemala. And she attended Trevecca Nazarene University. And her professor there told her that if you want further preparation to be a missionary in the Church of the Nazarene, there's no better place than you could go than to Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary. Because you think of it, at this one school, there are students from all of these many different cultures and contexts. And every single subject you, that we offer at APNTS, you're getting this idea of what they do in that place and that place and that place. Every single subject is like a missionary subject. And uh, it's also a third world country. And if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. So uh, Ingrid came to APNTS to study, and she found Terrence. And this time, Terrence did not post quite so much on social media and Facebook, but she was the one for him. And so after they graduated, they found a place of ministry in Thailand, and they're working for Nazarene communications in all aspects for the Southeast Asia field of the Church of the Nazarene. And APNTS, as I said, we receive students from Papua New Guinea, among other places around the world. And I remember when we first received our student from Papua New Guinea, our first one, what an incredible privilege I thought that was, that we had the chance to teach someone from Papua New Guinea. The Church of the Nazarene went to Papua New Guinea in the 1950s. It was a very primitive, like a Stone Age kind of culture in the 1950s. We put in a, an airstrip. We built a hospital because the government asked us to. We have a nurse's training school. We have a teacher's training school as well as a Bible college in this beautiful, beautiful place. But they were sending to our school uh, students from Papua New Guinea about one at a time and their families, and they would help to support them. And then one of our missionaries to Papua New Guinea, she said, you know, that's going to take an awful long time if we do it that way one at a time. Why don't you come as professors? Why don't you come to Papua New Guinea? And so we started to go there for 15 subjects. And it's just amazing that the Church of the Nazarene in that place needs teachers with that level of education and uh, pastors with that level of education in this place. And so we went back and forth and back and forth, this incredibly beautiful place high in the mountains of Papua New Guinea. Well, maybe it's not so much different than Colorado Springs area. I'm not sure. But it's really a beautiful place there, too. Were it not for the tribal warfare, which you may not face quite so much here, uh, it's just a wonderful place to be. And so we went back and forth, and a few years ago we had great graduation ceremonies there, fulfilling our mission as an educational institution of the Church of the Nazarene to 
uh, support local Nazarene churches around the globe. Another place that we had the opportunity to do that was in Vietnam. The Church of the Nazarene had missionaries in Vietnam for quite a while, and they were there on another platform because the government does not want there to be missionaries in Vietnam until now. And uh, so they were nearing retirement, and they asked the Church of the Nazarene to send missionaries to replace them to learn how things go in that place, and the church was a little bit slow to do that. So the missionaries thought that maybe even a better thing than to send missionaries to Vietnam is to prepare the Vietnamese leaders, the pastors in Vietnam themselves, to be able to carry on all of the ministries of the Church of the Nazarene, whether that's literature or evangelism or pastoral ministry or even education. So again, APNTS decided that we should do this. We should help them. We went back and forth and back and forth, and we had to be very careful about where we taught because the government, as I said, would not be happy about this and meet in places that were not obvious and the students not come into the class all at once. But we did that and had graduation ceremonies so that the Church of the Nazarene in Vietnam doesn't have, in a way perhaps does not need missionaries so much because we have capable, prepared Vietnamese leaders in Vietnam. One of them, in fact, who was in that class is getting her PhD from our school in transformational learning and she'll be able to carry on all the ministries for the future educational work of the Church of the Nazarene in Vietnam. Similarly, in Myanmar, the Church of the Nazarene in Myanmar is uh, located throughout the country. There are two states in Myanmar that are Christian, Kachin State in the Northeast and Chin State in the West, and, uh, that, and yet 90% of the country is Buddhist, and very Buddhist government right now that is persecuting Christians in those two Christian states. And yet in one particular place in Myanmar, Mandalay, there is this incredible leader of the Church of the Nazarene. He was a former Buddhist monk, not only a Buddhist monk, but he was really, had really immersed himself in the teachings and the philosophy of Buddha and all of the writings of Buddha, all of those things. He was very much a scholar of Buddhism. But then he became a Christian, gave his life and heart to Jesus Christ, and is devoting all of his mind and all of his heart to preaching and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mo Thin is his name. And so we asked APNTS if we would come to Mandalay, this middle of Myanmar, the Buddhist of Buddhist places, so just before the pandemic happened, I was able to go to Mandalay, and I taught a holiness class and Christian formation class in that place. And the students, about 12 of the students, there were about 12, and 10 of them were um, former Buddhists. I would say that one is not quite yet a Christian who is in my class taking these subjects. And that is amazing because it is so difficult for Buddhists to come to Christ. But because of Mothin's influence, he was able to persuade these men and women to come to Christ. And uh, so we had classes there in that place. One of them, uh, one of his friends, uh, Zinko O, another former Buddhist monk. He entered a Buddhist monastery when he was 20 years old, went around teaching about Buddha in villages and Someone gave him a Bible when he was 23 years old, and he began to doubt 
that Buddha offered a way of salvation. And so he began to think more and more about those things until he was 29 years old. Uh, Mothin got hold of him. And through Mothin's evangelism, he gave his heart to Christ, Zin Ko'o, and began to go from village to village where he had once preached and taught about Buddha, now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, he had been a Christian only one year when he was in my class uh, taking Christian holiness and Christian formation. So it was an amazing class to do in that particular place. I asked one of them in that class if uh, he would give a sermon. I asked all of them, in fact, to give sermons. And we'd been using a translator, but I said, in this case, I don't need to listen to a translator. I just want to hear you preach in your own language. And one of them in the class, a former Buddhist also, he gave up and gave this intense, inspired, full of unction, full of spirit, full of power uh, sermon. And I could not understand one word, <laughs> but I was like deeply touched because I knew that he was communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. So again, the Church of the Nazarene around the world is engaged in missionary work. Some deal with compassion, some deal with evangelism, and in my case, dealing with education. But oftentimes, these things come together. And one particular example of that is APNTS's ministry. APNTS is surrounded by this uh, concrete wall. And that is typical in the Philippines. And the concrete wall that separates us from that community is there. And just on the other side of a hollow rock wall that separate us from that creek I showed you, there came to be developing across the years uh, squatters, we call them. These very, very poor families that come from the provinces looking for work, couldn't find any other place to live. So they built these uh, shacks, these shanties made of uh, plywood, corrugated sheet roof next to this creek, this very, very dirty creek that becomes more dirty. And so for a period of time, we thought, we're not sure about this community. What should we do? Sometimes the people of that community come across that hollow rock wall, that concrete wall, and get some of the mangoes and some of the papaya that grow like wild before they're fully ripe, and get some wood on campus and take it back across the wall, wondering maybe we should build a bigger, better, higher wall. Maybe we should put jagged glass on the top, maybe put barbed wire on the top. But instead of that, God led us to build relationships with those in that community. And so we, as we found out, there were more than 600 families living on the side of this dirty creek on the other side of that hollow rock wall that separate us from the creek. 600 families having about six children, at least, in each family, living in these small, crowded, crowded places. And even though APNTS, the school where I teach, is not a congregation, uh, we came to realize that we're still a people of God. And as a people of God, as a community of God called to be faithful to him, what does it mean for us here and now in this place where we happen to be located? 
what does it mean for us here and now to be a people of God called to be holy? There are other seminaries in the Philippines that are not in these kinds of situations. They're surrounded by affluent subdivisions. But in our case, he put us where he puts a lot of Nazarenes, surrounded by a people who are marginalized, who are on the off the grid <laughs> of the population. And what can we do? What does it mean for us? We began to think about that and to pray about that. God opened our eyes to the needs of that community. Our students began to go into those houses and give Bible studies. And especially for the children, have something like Sunday school lessons or DBBF lessons. Just in that small crowded walkway between the creek and the homes or in these crowded homes, we began to get to know them. We began to realize that they used that creek for all kinds of purposes because there was no uh, sanitation, there were no trash trucks coming in, there was no clean water. So what could we do as a community to help them? Well, we wanted to get to know them, and we did that through some various kinds of out-of-the-box things, things that most seminaries don't think of doing. And we decided to have an anniversary celebration. I'd learned that Schools did this in the Philippines. We'd never done it before. And it would be an opportunity for us to invite them onto our campus. And so I asked one of the um, guys who was helping me to organize the program. He said, if you want young people to come into the campus and get a lot of people to come in for this event, you should have a headliner. And he suggested the Philippine All-Stars. Philippine All-Stars were this internationally recognized group that won competitions in Las Vegas. And uh, he said that you should get them. Oh, in case you haven't heard of them, they are uh, hip-hop dancers. And so the guy who was organizing this said that they are Christian. And I said, really? Are you sure? And can I meet them? And so uh, we had lunch with them. And uh, they were pierced. And they were tattooed. And uh, they had a testimony for Christ. One of them who sat next to me learned that I was president of the school at that time. And he gave me about a 15-minute lecture on what I needed to do as president of 8th Gen Field. I'm not sure he even had graduated high school. But he gave me advice as what I should do as the president of this school. And you know what? I listened because I thought maybe the Holy Spirit wants to teach me something and tell me something through this pierced and tattooed hip-hop dancer. So when we had this wonderful celebration, there were 800 people from our community that came onto our campus for the first time. We had cultural presentations from each one of the um, people groups of our students, and we had um, just an incredible time. Another way of our getting to know the needs and the situation of the people who live in that community. And uh, so we found out that this uh, mosquito doesn't seem to know the seminary side of that wall from the squatter side of that wall, and they spread dengue fever. So what can we do to clean up with each other's help? And so we learn to work together in all of these kinds of situations. We help the, we saw that the, the children in that community are sniffing glue, getting high. The young people are, are on drugs. Usually it's uh, shabu, they call it. And then a lot of alcoholism in that community and wondering, is there anything that we can do to help give hope and to give life to the people of that community? And so we began to um, think of 
various things that we should do. In my class, uh, one year, holiness, I was teaching holiness class, and in my class was one of my colleagues, uh, Bill Kwan from Korea, and he was um, one of our graduates. He'd go on to become a teacher beside us, and he heard me say in this class that holiness is not only something that is here, it is a doctrine, of course, what we believe as Nazarenes, but, and it's not even only something that is here, something of our heart. It is that, of course, it's cleansing, it is infilling with God's spirit, but I was saying that it, holiness is not only here and here, but it is also here in our hands. And Bill said, if that is true, then we need, need to do even more, especially for the children in that community. And so he began to link Korean churches of the Nazarene with the children of that community for sponsorship. And that enabled those children to finish elementary school, which they were not able to do before because they didn't have money for, for books and papers and clothes and transportation to get to school because there are no big shiny yellow school buses in the Philippines like that. And he enabled them to be able to finish elementary school and then go on to high school. And some of them even supported them to college. So transformation was happening in that community already. And then we were hearing in chapel services messages along this theme, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. And it's one thing to hear it and another thing to do it. What does it mean for us as a people of God called to be holy? And God taught us. The, there was this incredible typhoon in the Philippines. And the rains came down so quickly, so hard. And that little creek that goes through the middle of our campus underneath that bridge became very suddenly this raging, roaring uh, river that was washing the squatters' plywood houses down the creek. And they were losing everything. And so we had this opportunity. Um, they came over the wall, 300. The rains came down, and the floods came up. Someone said that's a children's song. I'm not sure. I, the rains came down, the floods came up, and our neighbors came over the wall. And I'm glad that there was no jagged glass and barbed wire on the top of that wall. They knew that they were welcome in our place. And we knew these are our neighbors and they are welcome in our place. So we went through our closets and got in clean clothes and we boiled water for rice and we had a place for them to sleep and stay on our campus with these crisis care kits that some Nazarene churches had donated and stored on our campus. And out of all of that kind of ministry, of APNTS into that community, uh, combining evangelism and compassion and education, there came to be the River of Life Church of the Nazarene, built right in the middle of that, of that community. Um, that community that has so much problems with alcoholism, and when a husband comes home drunk, he's often abusive, and when a husband comes father comes home drunk, he's often abusive to the children. And often there are many problems, there still are many problems because of that. But there is literally in the middle of that community 
a place of refuge, a place where they can run 24-7. And that is the River of Life Church of the Nazarene. And uh, so in that place, the leader is uh, one of our good graduates. And I was asked, therefore, uh, a few years ago, to give our communion, to give a communion service. It's one of the things that Nazarene missionaries do. Reading the liturgy of the Church of the Nazarene from our manual on the Lord's Supper, and it said this, and I'd not read it before. I had not used that particular edition of the manual before, and it says this, we gather at your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor. And that was the ministry of Jesus. That's the ministry of the Church of the Nazarene to find those that are overlooked by others and bring them to Christ. And as I was looking at those who were the poorest of the poor and giving this communion, my heart really could almost go no farther because I was seeing them right there. And the liturgy of the Nazarene Church goes on to say, proclaim release to the captives, set at liberty those who are oppressed, Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners. Maybe he would have eaten with tattooed and pierced hip-hop rappers, do you think? And so the leader of that church is Jackson Natividad. He could be a pastor of any church of the Nazarene around the world, great preacher, leader, organizer, but God has allowed him to be a minister to the people of that community. Uh, right before I came on home assignment, they asked me to go with them, uh, especially a couple of them who had been sponsored by Korean churches, been able to finish elementary school and high school, and even a couple of them go on to college, uh, Billy Morable and Jeff Oi. They came to become aware of this tribal community two hours away by motorcycle, Dumagat people, who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ yet. And so they began to have a heart for these who had not heard the gospel before. And every single Saturday, take the two-hour motorcycle journey to this remote place. These Dumagat people happened to sit right beside, in this case, a real river. So they were able to use the same word, except using Tagalog, Ilokanguhai, Church of the Nazarene. And when you think of that, think of that. Here are people like Billy and Jeffoy who are from the poorest of the poor and who still live in that community that sits aside that creek who want to share the gospel to a people in a different place who have not yet heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and carry on the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ. So we are bridging cultures for Christ. And the ministry of APN's guests is touching around the world. I think that the sun does not set on one of my former students who is somewhere in the world ministering for Jesus Christ. I have been supported during these 39 years that I've been a missionary by the Church of the Nazarene. They're different denominations, different churches that support missionaries in a different way. And some of my colleagues even are not, don't happen to be Nazarene missionaries from the Free Methodist Church or Wesleyan Church. 
and they support themselves differently. They have to raise money from local churches for their salaries. And uh, I've known a lot of missionaries like that across the years, and they, they might have uh, five or six, maybe ten churches that support them. They have to raise money before they go back to the field. They can't go back to the field until that money has been raised. And uh, if something happens in one of those six or ten churches, financially falls apart in one way or another, <laughs> the church is broken and schismed, and they suffer, the missionaries suffer, and some of them even under extreme situations have to come home. But I'm not, as a Nazarene missionary, supported by six or ten churches. I am supported by five or six thousand churches of the Nazarene. So if there's a problem in this church or that church, it doesn't affect my salary. It comes from the support of the churches of the Nazarene, not only even in North America, but from around the world. That is called World Evangelism Fund for the Church of the Nazarene and goes to support me and goes to support APNPS, my living expenses. And I've been a missionary, as I said, 39 years. And there's never been a month when there's not been my salary in the bank account that I have in Kansas City near the headquarters. And um, whether it has been times of recession, times of pandemic, it has not affected my salary. And I've never had anxiety about that because I'm supported as a Nazarene missionary by World Evangelism Fund. And I appreciate churches and those who give to World Evangelism Fund. When I was 10 years old, I gave my heart to Christ. When I was 13 years old, I heard a missionary, the young people's <coughs> director in the Gaithersburg Church at that time, had announced that the teens would go to this place and hear a missionary I was the only one who showed up, and I was only 13, and I went to this place, heard the missionary, and the missionary said this, if God called you to be a missionary, would you go? And I remember responding, I'm not sure if I wrote my name on a card, I might have, but I remember that years later. Yes, I said, if God called me to be a missionary, I would go. Then a few years, a couple years after that, I prayed for sanctifying grace to come in my life. And shortly after that, I felt a call to ministry. And I thought that it would lead me to pastoring American churches. And that's not what God had in mind for me in my life. And when I got a call from the founder of APNPS, starting this school, uh, would I be willing to go to the Philippines? Because I had made those decisions at 13, 15, 16 years old. I did not have to pray a lot, honestly. I had said yes to God's will in my life. And that yes that I made to God at the age of 13, at 10 and 13, 15, 16, has continued to be a yes to God and his will in my life. I can't help think 
that I should take this opportunity as a missionary to ask you also if God were to call you to be a missionary. Think of that as this incredibly exciting life that God might lead you to. It can be full of joy to minister cross-culturally, cross-cultural barriers. It would just be amazing if that is what God has in mind for your life. If God called you to, if God called you to be a missionary, would you say yes to him? Our Father, thank you for your call upon us all to be involved in the work of Jesus in this world, to be your hands and feet, to extend your heart, your compassion, your gospel, your teaching to other parts of the world. And if, Father, there might be some ones in this congregation who would sense that perhaps God is calling them to be a missionary someday. Help them right now to say yes to you and to your grace and to your work. We pray through Jesus Christ our Lord. sensing that this morning, make a beeline for Dr. Cunningham after the service or Kelly or I or Scott. We'd love to talk to you and pray with you. I want to take a love offering up for uh, Floyd. You can do that in a number of ways. We're going to pass the plates again. Worship team can come on back up too. Um, make a check out to Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene. Just designate uh, Dr. Cunningham on that. Or you can do what I just did a few minutes ago, text to give, 84321. And our good treasurer, Jen Giffrey, has set up a special love offering, 10-9. That's what you plug in with the amount that you want to give. Special offering, special love offering, 10-9. That's the date today. Floyd never ceases to inspire me. I love to see the happy faces of people that have received the help that they've received from churches of the Nazarene happy faces of those that have made a decision to follow Jesus, all different colors and countries and languages, a little glimpse of what it's going to be like when we all stand in the presence of Jesus one day, every tribe and nation and tongue, when he invites us into that place he's preparing for us, man, that's going to be good, right? And I can sense the uh, passion that still is in the heart of Floyd after 39 years, I asked him on a hike yesterday, what are you going to do when you retire next year? He said, well, I think I'll probably teach some and write some. And I thought, I didn't say this out loud to him, that's what you've been doing for 39 years. But he wants to keep doing it. And uh, I think that goes for Kelly and I too. No retirement in the kingdom, amen? I want to work till Jesus comes, like the old hymn says. Anyway, thank you so much, uh, Floyd, for uh, that message. Encouragement you've given us today.
Uh, Lori's going to lead us in a song, and uh, we're going to pass these plates again. The Lord bless you as you give in this special love offering. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name, because of all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven and pray this for you. I pray for you circumstances will change. I pray that the fear inside of me, in Jesus' name, I pray for a breakthrough. What happened today? I pray miracles over your life, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. God's people said, amen. What a beautiful time we've had together today. 
Sunday mornings never get old for me. Never ever. Hey, y'all are invited to a great meal right here. So please plan on staying. I'm going to pray for the food so we'll be ready to eat. How do you like that deal? Second Floyd, I too invited Jesus into my heart at the age of 10. At 16, he sanctified me through and through, and I offered myself to do anything that he wanted me to do. You were a missionary, I was a pastor. Same for Kellen. Any regrets? Me either. God calls some to be pastors and missionaries, but he calls us all. I had a different benediction lined up, but I, uh, I'm going to back to Romans chapter 10. How then can they, your friends, your neighbors, your family members, those that you work with, those that you walk the halls with at school, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone proclaiming the good news of Jesus to them? And how can they proclaim the good news of Jesus unless they are sent? Well, I'm sending you. Same thing every Sunday. The service doesn't end here. It's just beginning. As we go in Jesus' name to show and tell the good news of the gospel, every one of us missionaries of love and grace in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God, I thank you so much again for this beautiful service. I thank you again for the ministry of uh, Dr. Floyd Cunningham. Bless him. Keep him safe as he travels. Continue to fire in him a passion for lost and needy people. And do that in us here at Woodland Park Church of the Nazarene as well. Thank you for all you've done for us and among us and through us. Continue your good work and give us hearts open to that. And now, Lord, thank you for this food that we're about to receive. We look forward to eating together with glad and sincere hearts like your people have been doing from the very beginning. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Enjoy each other.
Just to know the same.